You're listening to the Master Photography Podcast. Welcome into the Master Photography Roundtable, part of the Master Photography Podcast Network. You're joined by thousands of photographers listening to this show who are all on the same journey to master their photography. I'm Jeff Harmon, the host for this episode. Joining me are a couple of buddies that I haven't heard from for a while. I hope you all will like having them on the show with me again today, too. That's Nick Page and Brian McGuckin. How are you, fellas? We are good. We are good. Well, I'm good. Yeah, he's speaking for me. Apparently, yes. I'm good, too. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm good. This is like, this is a flashback from the past right yeah. now. This is awesome. First, Jim Harmer's on. Now we're on. What's That's right. Next? Bringing back the oldies and goodies. Yeah. yeah. What about Dusty? Maybe Dusty will be next. <laughs> yeah, I never even talked to Dusty. He's on the next, shot, in the next episode. Yeah. Uh, I, I wonder if he would come on. It would be interesting to see. He doesn't know me, so... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so listeners, if you've uh, maybe confused by what we were just talking about here, we've had quite a history with the show. Uh, Jim Harmer and Dusty, I don't even know his last name. Do you guys know his last name? I don't know. Olson? Oh, Dustin Olson. Olson. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That, I guess that may, it makes me like the original super fan because <laughs> I've listened to every episode. I did well, too. the early episodes. Yeah, I did too. So anyway, they, they ran the show back when it was called Improved Photography. Um, you can go find lots of episodes back and be able to, to hear some of this stuff. But, you know, we, we took over the podcast network from Jim about a little over a year ago, year and a half ago or so, and, and have been producing this content. So it's fun to have the, the team back together a little bit here. It's, it's fun. And this is one of my favorite episodes to do. Um, cause we, it's, there's no, this is like silliness. <laughs> That's what it is. This is a bunch of silliness and, uh, we get to just kind of play around. It's fun. Um, I hope you all enjoy it. We'd love to hear like your feedback on it too. If we should keep doing the shows, we plan to every year, but um, let us know what, what you think about this this type of show. This is our predictions show. And we're going to start off by going through the predictions that we made last December in 2019, see how we did, give points that don't mean anything to those that, that nailed it. <laughs> and then we're going to we're going to share our predictions for this next year, what's going to happen in 2020. So to start off with, we have one from me about AI background removal in Photoshop. Have a listen. I think that Adobe is going to utilize artificial intelligence and that's going to, they're going to provide a single button click in Photoshop where you don't have to do anything else. You're just like, after you're happy with the photo you've got, you can hit that button and it will send your raw photo up to the cloud. Now, it has to be done in the cloud. It's not going to be done on the computer. And then they will extract the person, the, the subject out of the photo, and send back down a new layer for your photo that has the mask, layer mask applied, that extracts the person from the background. Auto background eraser kind of thing. But um, or, or like auto masking? Yeah, like, yeah. Are, are you saying, okay, yeah, one so it's going to automatically do a mask? Now it's going to take some time because you got to send the raw file up. You got the, the computers have to process it and send it back down. But um, I think they're going to buy some company. There's been some pretty significant improvements in kind of yeah. auto detecting backgrounds here in 2018. I think they're going to buy a company that has some seriously good tech for that. And then they're going to incorporate it. And that's going to be like a huge value add to the subscription model. Only when you have a Creative Cloud subscription will that button work okay <laughs> so what do you think how did i do on that 
on that one. You, you know, that was actually pretty good because the whole select, what do they call it? Select subject, select object. Um, that has come a long ways in the most recent Photoshop update. Yep. So that part of it, you were totally right. I'm, the part you failed on is the fact that it does not have to go up to the cloud. No. Um, but we do have really good kind of uh, auto auto masking feature in Photoshop now, which is pretty good. It's not great, but it's way better than it was at the time of your prediction. So you did pretty well. That's like a half point, solid half point, <laughs> three quarters point. A solid half point. Yeah, it totally doesn't go to the cloud. And I wish, I kind of wish it did. I mean, there'd be like privacy concerns about that too, of course, and maybe why they they aren't doing that. And privacy is such a big deal. 2019, I expect it to be even bigger in 2020. But uh, so that that could be a challenge. But I think the AI pieces of it would work way better in a cloud-based implementation than trying to have it happen locally on your computer. And we did kind of get it. There is there's a new remove background button that you have in the layers panel in Photoshop. I found it to be really buggy though. Like <laughs> about half the time or more when I push the button to just try it and see what kind of a mask it comes up with, it crashes Photoshop and just takes the whole oh, thing down. So um, now why, I, yeah, why do, why would you say it would need to go like you would be happier if it did go into the cloud because I, the computers just can't handle that. So people throw around this term AI all the time, artificial intelligence for it to truly be AI, it has to actually learn and try to think on doing your photos. That takes a massive amount of computer hardware to make that work. Your desktop can't do that. And your desktop doesn't have enough data input to be able to make that be like a real thing and have it be real AI. So it's thrown about too much. Like there's a lot of stuff that says it's AI based where they may have fed a bunch of data into a model with one of those really big computer systems to make it work and then kind of put packaged it up into an algorithm that's going to happen on your computer. But it's it's only, it kind of learned from that. It's not actively learning from the photos that you are using right now. And so it's, it's not true AI that way. So I'd rather have it be mm -hmm. real AI, like it's actual artificial intelligence, net, neural network is analyzing the photo and trying to figure out what is subject versus what is background to get the best possible result that you, you can't do that on the desktop. That won't work. But it seems yeah. like you can almost already do it with an iPhone when you're doing portrait <laughs> mode. Right. You know? they, they, <laughs> kind of yeah. But, out the background. And so they have I, a, there's, there's, there's they, a prediction. Uh, you know, we were talking before about, about how I am horrible at predictions. So within five years, your camera is going to already do that for you when you take the photo. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I mean, it mostly does now anyway, because it has it has depth perception, which is something they could add to cameras a lot more and make it so Photoshop can read that data and, and do a way better job of this. Uh, be able to have depth data incorporated into the photo as you take it. Um, iPhones are doing that these days and, and a bunch of Androids, too. They, they both have that capability. And that helps them to do a way better job of faking a blurred background. It's still not perfect though either. There's there's good lots of great examples you can find <laughs> of that totally failing and not not looking very natural at all. But it but sometimes it really works. Sometimes it does mm -hmm. a good job. Yeah. 
So anyway, I, okay, a, a half a point. I think I'd take a half a point on that one. <laughs> Just not quite exactly. And I did very specifically, and I, it needed to be specific, say that it was it had to go to the cloud to make that happen, and they did not do that. So I think photographers may be happy because, like, in that privacy thing, it scares people to death that, like, your photos might be leaving your computer and going somewhere else, and you don't have control over it anymore. So I get that. That, that would be concerning to me, too. If uh, if that's how it worked, but I'd love to see how it worked, like the effectiveness of it. And it, not to mention, like the the whole bottleneck of the speed oh, of yeah. your internet connection, For or sure. whether you have an internet connection at all. You know, if you're on the road and you're trying to use this particular feature and you don't have Wi-Fi access, that means you just wouldn't have that feature. But because it's not cloud based, you have it all the time that's right. available to you. Yeah, I mean, as we were starting the show here, we already ran into like my bandwidth here in Utah is just not too great. Mm -hmm. And I, I had to turn my video off because I can't sustain a good uh, connection here in Skype and, and have video be on. So I had to turn it off. And yeah, that is for sure a limiting factor too. So anyway, it was it was fun to, to think that that might happen. And, and they kind of made some progress there. So half a point. That's good. <laughs> All right. You ready for the next one? Here we go. The rumors are Canon 7D Mark III is actually going to be released in 2019. We already kind of referred to that a little bit. I am going to say not only is it released, because other people have already said that, but it's going to be released with like significantly better dynamic range. Maybe it's just a plea to Canon for me to do this. I don't know. Maybe it's just wishful thinking. There you go. <laughs> but but I think they're going to do it. And, and I think that that's going to be a bit... I don't care about like anything else that they update in the camera. I don't I don't want them to go with more megapixels because that usually also means ISO performance goes down. Um or or at least they have a hard time maintaining the ISO performance levels if you increase the megapixels. So I don't need more megapixels. I don't care if they do that. I don't care if they improve the focus system because that's working pretty well for me. Uh I don't care. Although I I do wish they'd add some fo uh, focus points, especially the top and bottom of the uh, when, when you're holding it in landscape orientation then top and bottom needs yeah. they need some more points there some focus points i don't care if the frame rate goes up on the camera it just can't go down and i don't even really care if they improve the iso performance if it just stays the same would be okay as long as the dynamic range gets better because that's what's holding me back from iso from darker photos and um, they, it has to beat the ADD. So my wife has the ADD Canon camera, which is sounds like I'm saying like attention deficit disorder, ADD. but yeah, yeah. but it's, it's terrible. The, the number eighty and then the letter D. <laughs> the ADD um, has some really good dynamic range for a um, a crop sensor. Better, yeah. better than the seventy Mark II by quite a bit. And they have to beat it. If they will beat it, if the dynamic range in that in that new 7D Mark III is better than the 80D, I will be buying it for the first time in four years. I will upgrade my camera, and I will be using. I will buy the 7D Mark III. But if that doesn't have that, if if they don't show that they have huge dynamic, and I'm going to wait until there's some people who test this and can tell me how the dynamic range performs. Uh, if that's not there, I won't be buying All right. it. Yes, you won't be buying it. <laughs> <laughs> there was well, no you 70 you Mark got III. It. I mean, uh, you got the specs that you wanted probably, but it's called a 90D instead of a 70 Mark III, right? Yeah, mostly. Mostly. The mostly. frame rate was disappointing to me on the 90D. Mm -hmm. 
the dynamic range was slightly better, but not not enough. I I did have my eye on replacing my 80D with the 90D because the even though the frame rate wasn't so that that's the thing. This was like the 90D was a compromise between an upgrade to the 80D and the 70 Mark II. They kind of merged those two things together into that camera. And the frame rate got better than the 80D has, but not as good as the 7D Mark III. The focus system wasn't as good. There's, There were drawbacks to it. I, I like doing high school sports, and that just wasn't going to cut it for what I wanted for, for that. So I, I didn't end up buying the 90D either, although I was tempted to upgrade that one um, when it came out. And I think in hindsight, we kind of now know why, you know, they didn't come out with a 7D Mark III is because they, they've, they you know, been pouring all of their research and development into mirrorless stuff, yep. trying to catch up in that department. I don't think that they're working very hard on anything DSLR at either Canon or Nikon. No, I guess. no. And, and that's that's fine. I, I totally get that. That's that's good. I well, we'll we'll talk about predictions on cameras in a second. Yeah, but I get I don't think I get any points on that one. No. <laughs> that prediction was wrong, wrong, wrong. Okay, here's the next one. Canon is going to release the 5D Mark V in 2019, and it is going to be their last full frame DSLR. They won't be producing another one, so they'll update this one. Probably uh, increase in megapixels, increase in dynamic range, improvement in ISO performance. Catch up a little bit to the Nikon D850 potentially because it's, it's kind of a little ahead there. Um, and then that's going to be it. They're going to focus from there out on the mirrorless full frame R mount stuff that they have going on. Eh. <laughs> <Wrong>. <laughs> no 5D Mark V. Nope. And... Uh, let's see. I think I had, oh, I have one more prediction of we won't talk about the card slots yet. That's the next prediction, but nope, <laughs> no 5D nope. Mark V, uh, RF mount. I was right. I mean, RF mount is the future. That was easy to see even back then in, in 2018 when we were making these predictions. So that wasn't a, a leap by any stretch, but we did see the EOS RP released in 2019. I already mentioned the 90D. We also saw the EOS, uh, M6 Mark II. Uh, crop sensor mirrorless body that was released and they've announced the eos 1dx mark 3 that's being released and i'm not I, I don't know that canon has officially said that's the last dslr but i think everyone is assuming mm-hmm. that's it for dslrs for canon so i was a year off on the last dslr from canon if that does end up being the case uh, and it's the 1DX, which is what Brent actually said later on in the conversation after I've gone through this all again. Um, Brent was the one who was like, yeah, I think uh, the 1DX is actually where they're going to end the DSLR line, not the not the 5D line. Yeah, which, which I would not have guessed. I wouldn't have thought that they would pour that much money into another 1D model because it's because it's the flagship. Yeah. I don't I don't envision that they sell too many of those right. you know i think they right. probably sell a whole lot more 5ds than they do 1ds just because of price point i would think right yep so we'll we'll see how that all shakes out in 2020 and we'll have we have our upcoming predictions on the cameras all right here's one more well we have a few more but here's here's the next one canon and icon both release full frame mirrorless cameras with dual card slots this time <gasps> yes. Oh, please, oh, please, oh, please, oh, please, oh, please. 
Yeah, I think they're going to remedy that. I think they're going to say like, wow, we did not expect that kind of backlash from that <laughs> that kind of a problem. Uh, yeah, we, that's easy. We can fix that. Maybe we should yeah. do that. Yeah, so I think they're going to do that. Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Too much credit given. Yeah. Too much credit given. You know, yeah, that Canon is actually listening to the feedback from their customers and, you know, incorporating that into their future. Yeah. I think it's just because development takes so long you know they had probably already been working on the rp for a long time sure. and it was they were too far down that particular road to add a card slot another card slot to it um but i don't think we're going to see those improvements till future cameras right yep save it for the predictions hold on <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> all right spoiler alert <clears throat> yes here, here's another prediction that we had Pentax needs to ditch their 645Z and go mirrorless. Fuji and Hasselblad have two medium format mirrorless, and I'm intrigued by that. It almost makes mirrorless a quote-unquote affordable. I should say yeah. medium format, quote-unquote affordable. And it's, I don't know, it's it's not a true mir- medium format, but still it's slightly larger than full frame. And it's high time that Pentax, Rico, however you want to call it, they get in this game uh, because this is where a, a serious size savings and weight savings can be had. That 645 body is huge compared to those uh, other bodies by Fuji and Hasselblad, and I would love to see a mirrorless come out of Pentax. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so to be fully honest, I have, I do not follow Pentax at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's because there's not a lot of news to follow. I mean, when was when was the last time Pentax released something? Yeah, they have. So I went and looked it up just to, to I had to follow up on this prediction is the only reason I even tried <laughs> was to go and see was Brent right or not here. And he wasn't. They um, they did announce a new camera coming, a new APS-C. So it's not full frame. It's not medium format. Um, it's it's an APS-C, but they also said in in uh, March, they already said, oh, it's not happening this year. <laughs> We're going to be doing this in 2020. And at this point, um, I'll be kind of surprised to see if they do release it. Like, why why even bother at this point? I don't know. There's going to be, uh, if there's listeners out there that use Pentax, let me know. If you if you really love what they're doing and, and you're looking forward to this camera coming out in 2020, uh, this APS-C DSLR from them, then uh, I'd love to to know if that's true. I just don't imagine many many of our listeners do. And Brent couldn't come on today to be able to to talk defend to his prediction. Yeah, defend himself <laughs> on this one, but he was not correct in I, in this one. I often get Pentax confused with Pentatonix, the acapella group. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I love Pentatonix. It's a it's a very similar user group. <laughs> oh, Nick saying he doesn't like that one, huh? Okay, look that that sound you just made, Nick. That kind of fits with what they do as an acapella group. Your That's little right. drum, yeah, yeah exactly. Give you give you a beat. This is your tryout for them. I nice. I love acapella music, but I know not everyone does. Yeah, I like to blast it while driving downtown. All the windows down. <laughs> Just blasting some acapella to show how cool I am. Oh, see, I don't do that. Any- I'm not. I know I'm not cool. I don't have to try to show anyone that I am. I already know. Okay, here's the the next prediction. My next one, really, though, um, actually, is Sigma 
will announce a Foveon camera for the L-mount system. And that's not to be confused with L lenses from Canon. The L-mount system is a joint consortium or joint effort by Leica. They own the L-mount property, intellectual property, but they've partnered with Panasonic and Sigma to have this uh, L-mount consortium. And I think there's going to be some good things coming out there. Uh, certainly, I love the idea of the Foveon sensor. That's where we are capturing every single color at every single pixel, uh, every single of the RGB colors. But it's always been crop sensor size, and it's always been uh, lacking in the dynamic range. And it would be amazing if they could uh, increase uh, both of those types of items to give us some good dynamic range there. And it's just never caught on. And it may catch on with this new L-mount alliance that's happening. And um, so I keep my fingers crossed, yeah. All right. <laughs> Brent had these like obscure ones. I know. I was just thinking, man, he's really in love with the fringe, the fringe companies. Like, I'm really excited about that new Sigma camera. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. And this is the same kind of problem. They did not do it. It was announced. It's been delayed. Seems a similar theme (laughs) across these, these, uh, Less market uh, saturated <laughs> cameras. I, yeah. I was trying to find a nice way to say this, but uh, yeah, it, it didn't happen. Wrong on that one. Uh, let's go to the next one. I think this one's from Connor. My first prediction that I have here is less awesome, techy, geeky, nerd stuff because I just couldn't think of anything <laughs> off of the top of my head that would fit into that world. But something that I believe as a lighting nerd, I think that there's going to be a significant shift towards photographers that are getting into flash, getting into lighting, moving towards Godox, Godox and Flashpoint systems in 2019 for both like Speedlight Flash and Strobe users. Um, I, I think this because I think that their product is becoming very, very compelling. I, it, I more and more am just getting little titters in my own brain where I'm like, maybe I should make switches over there. And that largely has to do with uh, the battery being in the unit itself where right now i use strobes and man i don't mind being crazy and carrying a strobe around with me through a park like i did this past weekend but (laughs) it can get tiring when you have like a car battery and a strobe and a modifier and your camera and you're trying to talk to a person with kids and you're like okay i'm just trying to get over here okay let's set it up (laughs) and having just 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 the convenience of having the battery in the light itself is already just enough to make me kind of go well maybe you should do that connor and i i I think that they're really pushing to be innovative with their their products i think that they're constantly putting out little bits that are showing that they're trying to push forward with new things that are going to be useful it seems like they really are listening to photographers in the products that they're making and and i think that they are going to become a very very competitive um flash and strobe unit for users of um well users of that kind of equipment i think that they are going to take over the more affordable side for strobes over your policy buffs and um well i i i love paul buff but i don't think that they have been doing much in the way of innovation because they are (laughs) well they're not so i that is my first prediction all right so I know, Nick, you've been a fan of Godox for a while. Flashpoint. Flashpoint, yeah, same thing. <laughs> yep, Flashpoint, Godox, same same, yep. same equipment. And uh, so I think Connor was a little late to the Godox party <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> in predicting it. But 
I, I'm going to give him points on this one. I think he got Absolutely. it right. I, I think there was a significant movement in 2019 to a lot of people getting behind Godox equipment. And uh, our Facebook group in particular was just filled with people that were recommending it, that were switching to it, and, and starting out with uh, with the Godox gear. I switched my own recommendations, my pages where I recommend inexpensive equipment for uh, people, hobbyist photographers to invest <clears throat> invest in. And I switched it to Godox from Young Nuo. So um, I think I think it gets points for this one. Yeah, and it's not only with flashes, it's also with the video lights as well. Yeah. I've got like my main video light in my office. That's a Godox. They make, you know, stuff you could either spend five, six hundred dollars on the exact same product only from a, a you know, a, a larger name, or you can spend half that on one of these. And it's just really hard to spend double on the exact same, you know, end result. I, I've got <clears throat> both studio strobes and uh, some like big speed lights, and they're all flashpoint stuff. And I've never had a problem. Right. So here's here's my question. I've got five young newels still. I haven't switched over, yep. and they're all still working. So why should I get rid of what I have that works? Power. It's all about power, Brian. Like for example, <laughs> with my my big strobe, it's 600 watts. So overpowering ambient light is so easy. And the and that that battery that I have on it, it'll last, you know, all day. I could shoot an all day, uh, you know, portraits all day long with big, powerful flashes and never have to change the battery. Never have to wait for recycle times. Recycle times are way faster. You can fire off like five frames a second, go and it'll keep up with that stuff. Plus, you get a modeling light. It's it's really nice and. The, the modifiers also for like when you're doing portraiture that you have so many more modifiers available to you in a Bowens mount than you do with a lot of speed light type stuff. So there's a, there, there's a lot of benefits. But for me, the, my favorite part is battery life and just power to overpower ambient light. But so Ryan, you're right. Godox, which Godox speed light is comparable to the Young Nuo 560? Yeah. Godox uh, TT600. Even... I was going to say, even their their smallest one is more powerful than a it is. Young Nuo. It is. So there is more power. You also get some cool features like uh, high speed sync that you don't get in Young Nuo flashes. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a benefit. Um, but you're right, Brian. If your flashes are working with what you have, that's there's not a super like it's not enough to say you need to dump the Young Nuo stuff and go get the Godox TT600 flashes. There there's not that compelling a thing. But if you're starting out, for sure, start off in the right. Godox system, and then you can grow into those other lights. That there, There's the, the big advantage why it is that I've said, okay, be, even for hobbyists and people who are just starting, make sure you start in the Godox line, and that's because there's room to grow where the young Newell is. They're, they're expanding. They, they realized in the marketplace that they had to have a better product line and, and have more room for growth, but... Uh, but they're they're not there. They're not even they're not competing very well yet with Godox on on having more that you can get. Okay. All right. Let's go to the next one. I think we only have two left from last year's predictions, and then we'll get into the fun stuff. Ours. 
Lightroom will remain unappealing as a raw processing <laughs> program to me. <laughs> not a stretch there. Oh my. Not a stretch. <laughs> not not so hard. Like, I've honestly had thoughts because it's not like Capture One doesn't have problems at any point. So the, I've had thoughts where I'm like, maybe I should try Lightroom and I'll kind of open it up and upload a thing. And about 60 seconds into the upload, I'm like, nope, going back. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> so um, I that that is my prediction for 2019 is Lightroom will still just nope <laughs> not for me it's easy to predict something for yourself that's not very yeah. hard <laughs> but i suspect with uh capture one he's probably only more excited about it rather than less because sure. there's been new stuff come come down the line for capture one yeah I've, i i chatted with him just before we started recording and and he loves where he's at with capture one it is absolutely the right program for him to use with the portrait shoots that he does and how he tethers in particular. He loves tethering. Lightroom has always kind of struggled there. It's still not really great uh, today, as especially when you compare it to how Capture One functions with tethering. It's just a, a world of difference. And so it's it's the right one for him, and he loves it. I wish that we could get him on the show more. I, hopefully in, in 2020 we can get Connor on more so he can talk more about uh, Capture One and how he's using it. I'm not a Capture One user, so I, I do a poor job of representing it <laughs> in it. Um, we'll get to some more software predictions um, when we do our predictions in a second, but let's get our last follow-up on the predictions from last year. I will continue to say I'm considering a switch to Fuji throughout the year, and <laughs> I've been saying that for a couple months already because I just love the Fuji system. It looks great. I just haven't really you know, shot it consistently or anything like that for a full shoot or anything like that. Uh, in reality, I'm keeping my eye on Pentax and that new Elmount Alliance, and I love the idea of Panasonic getting into full frame, Sigma getting back into the camera game. There's lots of really interesting stuff happening that has been announced and will come out or otherwise, you know, take more form this coming year. And I see myself actually probably not upgrading until everything is settled. And I'm also going to keep my eye on the EOS R system and see what their next full frame will be. So I see 2020 as being an open book for my next camera acquisition. But this year, I'm not going to go all Jim Harmer and say, I will buy nothing. But I'm pretty <laughs> sure I'm going to just stay in a holding pattern myself. Again, easy to predict your own actions because you have full control over that. But uh, he did check out Fuji through the year, so he did a little more than he expected. He didn't keep saying, I'm considering a switch. He really went after it and decided Fuji was not for him. There were plenty of people who said Fuji, they love Fuji. And uh, that's great. Whatever whatever camera you want to use and, and can get the results that you were looking for, more power, whatever, you, whatever that takes, whatever that is. Uh, Brent didn't care for it as he went and did it. He didn't like how the images looked when he as he went through his post-processing and how he did it so he tried to switch he backed out and did not switch so he was he went back to canon uh and we'll see if in 2020 he switches anything else i, I think he still has his eye on on changing stuff although i don't think it's either pentax or fuji at this point. <laughs> i was gonna say my 2020 prediction is that brent does not switch to pentax no. <laughs> <laughs> and no. he continues to root for the underdog it, well <laughs> underdogs there's like all these different camera brands that he's mentioning not just one 
Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. The the more minor players in the marketplace, and uh, yeah, I mean that's great. I'm I'm glad that Brent can be on to talk about them because I can't. <laughs> <laughs> right. So so that's good. I'm glad we can we can have some representation of some other things that I don't know so much about. Okay, now let's get to the like meaty part of the episode. <laughs> um, we failed miserably last year, and as we almost always do. So we'll probably fail miserably again in 2020, but it's fun to give it a try and talk about stuff. So Nick, why don't you start off with your first prediction? So most of my predictions are going to be fairly conservative, I think, because if I've learned one thing from doing these episodes is that you need to be conservative. <laughs> so uh, mine is going to be about my first one's about Sony. I think that they're going to come out with the A7 Mark IV. And unlike the A7R or the A7 III, which was this massive hit and, you know, everybody loved it, everybody picked it up. I think that this upgrade is going to be much more subtle and it's going to be a little bit um, underwhelming in the way that it's there's not going to be a whole bunch of game changing stuff. I think it's going to have the same sensor. It's going to be have a better viewfinder. You know, it'll probably have a better resolution in the electronic viewfinder. It'll have the bigger grip that the uh, A92 has and the A7R4 does. Um, it'll probably have better eye and uh, eye autofocus both with humans and animals. Um, just a little upgrade there. Um, but I think for the most part, people are going to be let down because it's not the massive innovation that the previous model was. But a decent camera. But a good camera nonetheless. <laughs> because people get addicted to things just getting better and better and better. And then when it kind of plateaus a little bit and it's just kind of like it's better, but it's not as much better as they wanted. Especially when the rumor sites over, you know, over promise when they don't really know anything. People tend to get let down with what they actually get. So I think it's going to be one of those. Perfect. So do you think it'd be one where if somebody switches over to Sony, they're going to want the four instead of the three? Like it'll be worth the improvement and worth the price? Yeah, especially like if you're looking at both cameras, I think the the four will be considered better enough to warrant the price difference. But there'll be quite a, a quite a few A7 three owners that are like, eh, that's not enough for me to upgrade. Yeah. So if you're getting in, you'd go with the four, but otherwise stay uh, with the three. Yeah. Not upgrading to the from the three to the four. Yeah. Updating yeah. more than upgrading. Yeah. Right, right. Gotcha. Okay. So there's your first prediction what's the next one you got nick i think that canon is going to come out with the eos r mark ii <laughs> okay. and i think that this camera unlike the first one is going to be received a little bit better i think that they're going to learn from the mistakes of the first one so two card slots uh i also think that hopefully they're going to give this one uh ibis in body stabilization mm -hmm. But I think that there's going to be some serious downsides still because it's Canon. So it's going, it's going to still have the same sensor, which is going to, at that point, be how many years old? It's going to have the same sensor, a um, little better autofocus. And I also think that the video specs are still going to be crippled. So people that are wanting to use this for vlogging or whatever, it's going to have a big crop in 4K and in some way, they're going to figure out a way to cripple the video specs so it's still not a perfect camera. I'm with you on the R2 released. I'm with you on the two card slots because I thought it would happen last year. <laughs> it's got to happen this year. 
And uh, I think the video specs will be crippled because that's what they do. That's yep. that's how Canon deals with this stuff. <laughs> it's their MO anymore. It's yeah. just weird. Yep. And it won't be one that I want to get. So, <laughs> And I'm a Canon shooter. So there that mm-hmm. should mean something to Canon that you have a, a pretty dedicated Canon shooter here that just doesn't want to go to these these systems. They're just not compelling. Right. Like how many years old is your camera body now? Um, so, cause I bought it when it was a few years old already. So it's probably but, 10. Yeah. Right. So you you haven't found anything worth updating to for a decade. Yep. <laughs> that's, that's not very promising. You know, nope. that's uh, on the other hand, I'm, I'm making a bunch of Canon people angry right it now, still but still is helping me prepare to create, like images I like. So there's, yeah. there is still that it's, it's, you know, adequate for me. So, yep. so that's good. But yeah, there's not been a lot of compelling stuff. Uh, I, I think photographers jump to buying new bodies way too fast and they there's, do. there's not really that much there. Um, okay. So Connor left a uh, no, he couldn't join, but he, he told us one of his predictions here and it was that Canon's mirrorless system will become appealing enough for many users to consider them as the new predominant Canon camera. And he said, I'm still going to be shooting my 6D this year. However, if they completely fail on me, I may go mirrorless, either Sony or Canon. Yeah, so... That's uh, a pretty bold prediction. Yeah, <laughs> Canon, or Connor thinks that uh, there may be something more there with the EOS R2, if that's what they call it, whatever it is. Uh, that's, so that, that'll be interesting to see how it happens. It'll be interesting to see how Canon's, re, you know, responding to things, that pipeline, that research and development pipeline we talked about earlier, Nick, with, you know, it yeah. takes them a little bit to be able to respond to customer feedback and, uh, maybe they'll shorten that a bit as they're working on stuff. Who knows? We'll, we'll have to I, see. I kind of wish Connor was here so we could like, you know, put something on the line here. Let's gamble on this. <laughs> well, <laughs> let's, see, let's see if he can put his money where his mouth is. You I, certainly can uh, reach out to Connor and make such an arrangement. Yeah, I yeah. think that'd be good. <laughs> I do we too. We both have hair to dye. Be sure to let me know so I can publicize it. That would be good. Okay. <laughs> All right. Here's the next one. And this one's from me. I think Canon's going to release a mirrorless crop body. Um, that I want to buy, but don't buy. So <laughs> here's, 2020 is the year I think I finally need to upgrade my camera body. I th- I'm hoping there's something compelling enough to move me off that mark. Um, we'll see. I think Canon's going to release a few mirrorless bodies in 2020. And I think one of them is going to be their first crop sensor mirrorless body. I think it'd have good dynamic range, plenty of megapixels, and mostly be exactly what I'm looking for in an upgrade, but it's going to lack something critical, <laughs> like frame rate potentially. I don't know. So there's going to be something that I'm going to say I just can't do it because of this thing. Whatever, some one of those specs is going to like fall short, and I'm going to say, okay, that's that means I just I don't have a reason to move from where I'm at because of that. Uh, and honestly, I kind of have my eye on a 5D Mark IV right now. Um, because the price has come way, way down <laughs> on the 5D Mark IV. There's not a ton of price difference between that and the 90D that we talked about earlier. Uh, I must have enough Amazon points to be able to to make this happen. So I, I may end up going to the 5D Mark IV in 2020, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. I definitely want to wait to see a, a little bit to see what it is that Canon 
comes up with so that I can make a good informed decision. Cause apparently I'm going to stick with a camera for like 10 years. So <laughs> <laughs> you'll be, you'll be good for another decade. Yeah. Yeah. So here's a question I have. Yeah. If somebody's asking you right now, they're just getting into photography. They want to get a camera body that they can afford. You know, everything we're talking about is mirrorless, mirrorless, mirrorless. What do you recommend? Cause I'm sure both of you guys get asked that question often. I do. I'll, I'll let you go, Nick. You go first. <clears throat> well, the thing is, it, the lenses are such an investment that you want to make sure that you're making a smart investment. So a lot of times when when at least I'm ripping on you know a camera system or whatever, it's it's because the future isn't looking so bright for for people that own those lenses or whatever. So if it was me and I was, for example, going to buy Canon because I like Canon brand stuff. I would jump straight to mirrorless now because at least when you're investing in those lenses, those lenses are going to be future proof. If you're buying a bunch of EF lenses, it means that most likely in another two or three years, you're going to have to have an adapter for any of those to work on any modern camera body because everything is going to be mirrorless. That's just kind of the way things are going. So I, if I was going Canon, I would push people towards in EOS R, even though it's not the, the latest and the greatest, it's still a good camera and you oh, can yeah. still make great photos with it. And the most important thing is that all those lenses you, you buy are going to work with stuff that comes down in the future. That's what I would say. But okay, if it wasn't Canon, like just broad open, someone's just saying, hey, I want, I'm interested in getting into photography, Nick. What camera should I get? What's your answer? Sony. Sony, which one? (laughs) And it's not, I'm not being paid to say this, uh, (laughs) contrary to popular belief, uh, but Sony's future is just looking so much better than Nikon and Canon, just because I feel like Nikon and Canon are just making some really interesting choices, which eventually is not going to bode well for their business models, which if their business models fail, there are no future camera bodies. So, you know, as a consumer, you have to be kind of selfish and go with the go with the camera brand that looks like their future is the brightest because they're going to innovate the fastest. And for me, that's Sony. And the nice part of having, you know, a, a Sony is that all the lenses work on both crop or full frame. Right. Can't say that for Canon. Um, you know, it's the future just looks brighter in Sony land. So I, w- I push people that way just because your investment is safer. If you're investing in a company or a lens system that has a brighter future. And would that be the a seven three at this point for like the first camera? Yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, a seven three, you can get it really cheap. Um, you could also go like a 6,400 and it's still oh, a really sure. good camera. Sure. Yep. Um, and even cheaper, but A7 III, A6400, those are both really good first cameras for sure. Yeah, and my, well, my answer you say would... really cheap. I mean, it's still, what, just under 2000 or something. You know, a lot of people starting out often are like, well, I've got, True. you know, 500 to to $1,000 max. So yeah. what, do you, what do you tell them then? Oh, <laughs> to save. <laughs> so <laughs> to let, save let me give you my answer now. I don't know. It's it's tough because you don't. It, Sony has innovated so much over the past five years that their you know their models from three generations ago are just a shadow of their newer stuff. You know, I, I can't. I would not have switched to Sony if all that was available was like the original 
A7R or something, you know, uh, just because the, those cameras are pretty junky. It wasn't until the the third generation where stuff started getting good. So I can't really, with a clear conscience, recommend anything older than A7 III or, you know, 6400, just because you're losing battery life and there's so much negative associated with those older ones. So I don't know. So here, and I here's, don't know how to spend little chunks of money, only big, healthy chunks of money. <laughs> it's just been the case for a while, Nick. That's been that's been Nick for a long time. It's because I'm an elitist at heart. Like I want to have the best of everything, not just be like, eh, it's good enough. Pentax is great, man. I mean, so I, we could probably do an entire episode on this topic and and repeat sure. it, you know, continuously because it's always changing. The marketplace is always changing. To me, though, the way I answer that question, uh, Brian, is I ask him to look around for the people that are around him um, because they're probably going to need mentoring. They're going to need someone to be able to ask questions of. And if they, if the the person that they can ask questions of only has experience with one camera, it may be tough for them to be able to look at this other camera, like if you went and got a different brand and say, and be able to help you. And so, so I think that has more to do with it than anything else for the first camera so that you can get in, you have a good chance of really understanding how to use the thing and make meaningful progress. And then you can make your own informed choice later of <laughs> what it is that you want to go and buy and, and invest in. So going into it, even knowing like, I may not make a ton of investment here in this camera. I got to learn how to use it first and then I'll figure out where I want to go from there. So, and, and then you have like Canon and Nikon both have really good starting points of less than thousand dollar cameras that are perfect for that. Whatever brands, you know, that possible mentor in your life has fire away get one of those get going that's the the other thing is analysis paralysis so many just don't make a choice because it's too hard and uh, and then they don't do anything which is that that's not not good so get in go jump in (laughs) all right that helps all right next prediction let's go back to you nick what do you what do you have on the next one uh, so I think that 2020 is going to be the first year that we see kind of a, a mass, mass migration away from Lightroom because I think it's the first year where there's actually been a competitor to Lightroom that is that is powerful enough and full-featured enough that it actually can replace Lightroom. And I'm talking about Capture One Pro 20, 2020, mm-hmm. whatever they call it. It's the it's basically capture one only with all of the cataloging features that most of us use Lightroom for. And everybody that hates the subscription model, I think that there's a lot of them that are going to gravitate towards the I buy it once model. So I think this is going to be the first year where we see a mass migration away from Lightroom. All right. Connor agreed with you on this one. He he thought the same. But then Connor abandoned Lightroom two years ago. So, right. But <laughs> so, I will say, however, yes. that I will not be one of those people because I think that Photoshop blows away anything Capture One can do at the moment. Um, Capture One can kind of do some things in a very rudimentary way. Like it can do, it can do layers. It can even do mm-hmm. like almost luminosity masks, but none of it is nearly as uh, controlled or powerful as Photoshop. Photoshop will continue to be the most powerful and me being the elitist, <laughs> I'm all about the most powerful. <laughs> so I'm going to continue to be an Adobe person, but I think there's a lot of people that 
um, especially if they're only using Lightroom, and especially if they're like a Fuji or a Sony shooter, yeah. those people can actually see in some reports an image quality benefit right. from switching to Capture One because especially fo Fuji shooters, yep. They the raw conversion that you get with Capture One seems to be a whole lot better than what you get with Lightroom. So yep, there's that. Okay, so um, I'm going to follow up with my next prediction because it's the exact opposite. <laughs> this oh, really? Was, yes. Um, I think that the media is going to continue to bag on Lightroom. Like, you, you doesn't take very much time listening to photography podcasts or YouTube oh, yeah. videos or whatever, and they're like hating on Lightroom. But the reality is going to be Adobe will have the best year they've ever had, like they did in 2019. They released their quarterly results just recently and made the news about it that in 2019, they surpassed 11 billion, that's billion with a B, in annual revenue for the first time yeah. in their history. And they posted a 24% year-over-year increase in growth. Wow. So, and you know, and I think that both of us can be right and <laughs> at the same time because, you know, Adobe has so much going on that it's a big, it's a big platform. It's and it, true. It doesn't, doesn't fully depend on just photographers, just Lightroom. You know, there's a lot of multimedia people that still will have to use Adobe. And I think that both you can be right and I can be right <laughs> sometime. There's room for that. I'll, I'll give you that. Together. Hand in hand. Elitist and hobbyist sharing view. <laughs> Just, exactly. <laughs> um, okay, so we're going to talk about this in the beginning of the new year again because we did a poll uh, for about a month and a half. We had a, a survey up and we had lots of listeners responding to the poll and tell us what software it is that they primarily use. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you kind of the percentage of utilization out there and we'll, we're going to talk about this in a lot more detail in an episode in January. And Nick, if you want to come on, I'd love to have you be part of that episode. Cool. Brian, you're well, invited too, as always. <laughs> All right. Uh, another one that is related to this. Um, I'm going to be bold on this one. This probably won't happen. I'm probably going to be wrong right off the get-go. But I'm saying Adobe is going to add a feature to Lightroom in 2020 that we all agree we didn't see coming and was compelling. Something that's big that they're going to add. And I, I wanted to get even more specific and like try to nail exactly what type of feature I think it would be. I racked my brain about this. What, what could they add in there that we'd all agree at the end of 2020 was super compelling and made for a really good story and, and kind of staved off that whole mass exodus kind of uh, prediction that, that you gave, Nick. Um, but I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's like really good spot removal, finally adding that in there or massively improved noise reduction. I don't know. I don't know what it could actually be there that, that would do it. But I think, I think they're going to do something that is big inside of Lightroom in 2020. And next year, when we listen to this, that you're going to say, oh yeah, here's that feature. And, uh, and it was, it was really compelling. It was a good thing that, that they yeah. added. Do you think it's going to be an improvement on something or is it going to be a new feature? It'll have to either be so much better that it's almost like it is a new feature. Like, a, like maybe like, like the spot removal, the spot removal in Lightroom right now is, is horrid. So mm -hmm. it, it's like almost useless. 
and um and same with the the noise reduction it, you, you can make it work pretty well i've i've definitely spent a bunch of time learning how to make that go i think that they could make some big differences there too by maybe adding adding slapping on that ai label to noise reduction and and have it do a better job of like actually analyzing the pixels in your photo and 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 setting the noise reduction to what it thinks it should be based on that something like that something that would make it a, a massively better feature or something entirely new something we just not even seen and um, and is is really compelling either one one of those two ways but something bigger than we tweaked you know some feature and now it's faster or something like this not it, it has to be bigger than that yeah and you know i like your i like the the fact that you're hitting on the spot removal tool because if you think about it the the panorama function they've added the content to where fill yeah, edges right, right, right. to to you know the whole panorama interface what if they it was just something as simple as they added a content to where fill you know spot removal algorithm where right. they take that spot removal tool and then they add content to where fill to it to where it actually functions well wouldn't that be nice wouldn't that be nice <laughs> or uh, that plus make it so that it doesn't slow everything down i've done i've been doing a bunch of lightroom hardware testing boy if you put like 30 spot removal dots on your screen lightroom scrolls to a crawl you can't yeah. even use it anymore it is really bad so uh, there is there's a lot of room for improvement with spot removal. I think there's some decent room for improvement on noise reduction. I'm sure there's other areas where this could happen. So I, I didn't want to nail it down to a specific feature, but I think they're going to do something big in Lightroom in 2020. We'll see. I'm probably wrong, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. All right. Um, let's see. So Brian, did you have one more little prediction here on for, for you? I don't think so. I'm, I mean, I'm not good at this stuff. You know, I, I've said that like I, the gear I already have, I'm a creature of habit. So I'll keep using the Lightroom that I've been using and the same Canon gear that I already have. Eventually, I think I'll make a switch, but I've invested so much financially sure. into what I have and I'm getting paid for it still. So to me, it's like, why do the switch right now? You know, um, so I guess if I were to have a prediction or something I would like to see, uh, I've been kind of looking more into video just for fun for my family and came across the Insta360 One X. Um, I don't have it. Uh, I don't know. Nick, do you have that? I do. Okay. Haven't I ever used it. It's <laughs> well, on the shelf. <laughs> the concept of it is really neat as far as like in the post-processing, you can go back and you could choose any angle at all because it constantly records a 360 video and so that just made me think how and, and maybe you can do this already but you know the the idea of being able to have something like that and capture an image from that that you may have missed um, you know i'm not saying like as a professional but for families or just for memory's sake uh, i don't even know if there's something already that does exist that does that but Maybe you guys would know better. Not like that, I don't think. That, that seems like it's a fairly unique kind of thing. Do you know any, of anything else, Nick? Uh, not really. <laughs> I was, the I was video you wouldn't call on me because I don't know. <laughs> so you you own the, you own it for the video, right? 
Yes, I own it for the video because like like he mentioned, you can record with it and then decide later what field of view or what angle you want to in, incorporate in the in the edit. And what's cool about that is that you can do like these smooth pans or like if some, something happens on one side, you can quickly move the camera over and capture that. And then somebody throws a ball and then it follows the ball over to where they threw it. There's like all these really cool uses, but the, but. You know, you got to find the use to actually find the time to actually use it. And that's the part that I struggle with. I get all these toys and then I'm like, oh, man, I don't want to bust it out. Well, and you can't change the depth of field that I'm aware of with it or anything like that. So it's not like you would use it for any no. like really nice photos. But I just think of just how fun that somehow something could be used like that in some way or another. But yeah, I, don't, absolutely. I don't know. So that's as close as I am. To having any type of meaningful prediction. <laughs> good job, Brad. You did good. You did good. <laughs> I'm just here for moral support. He said it's he doesn't okay. do this well, but that He's was really that good was at good. it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. All right, Connor gave us one final prediction that we'll we'll share and see if we can hold him to it next year, and that is that this will be the year he switches to Godox himself. So he had the whole prediction last year about everyone else adopting Godox, and he didn't switch himself. So. He's saying he will switch himself. We'll, we'll see. We'll have to follow up with him next year in 2020 and, and see how it went. All right. we uh, th Those are the predictions. I hope you all enjoyed that. We'd love to hear your, your predictions are too. In the Facebook group, when I when I post this episode in that group, uh, feel free to comment in there. And let us know what predictions you have of what you think is going to happen in 2020. You can tell Nick how he's wrong too. That would be great. Yeah, exactly. Let us know when we're completely wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's move on to the doodads of the week. I'm going to start off here with the SanDisk 1TB Extreme Portable External SSD. And I wanted to do that again here because um, this is a great thing you can add to... Uh, some of you are probably getting new computers for Christmas this year. And as you listen to this, it's the day after Christmas, so... Uh, you may be looking at, boy, what am I going to do for some storage to go along? Especially if you've bought a Mac, they you're probably going to buy it with uh, a small amount of storage available to you. And you need somewhere to put your photos. This is a really good way to be able to have your photos on an external drive that is super fast. Really, really good. Um, so it's it's about $150 for one terabyte. And that's a, a pretty decent amount of storage that you can have really, really fast and add that to your new computer for putting your catalog on, your Lightroom catalog or wherever you're and storing your original files. It, it's a really good option that I can highly recommend. I've, I've bought these and I have uh, several of them that I've been using. They hold up. They're, they're fabulous. I really like those devices. So highly recommended. That's the SanDisk 1TB Extreme Portable ex External SSD. Go to the show notes because that's hard to remember all of that. Uh, Nick, what do you have? I have a tripod because I have a thing for tripods. Um, yes. So normally I'm always recommending the really expensive stuff. Like I have really right stuff tripods, which are incredibly expensive uh, and FLM. And I've, I, I like the expensive ones, but I know there are people that are more frugal than I am. Um, <laughs> Wait a especially minute. When it comes to tripods. So <laughs> the, the tripod that I've been recommending to anybody on a budget of any kind is the Colorado Tripod Company tripod. So what's cool about this company is, first of all, they have a tripod that is carbon fiber, aluminum, really well made, has a removable center column for 300 bucks, which is a really good price for carbon fiber and a really well made product. I've 
tested their stuff in the past and they're really good. It's the same company that owns Breakthrough Photography Filters. Um, so they, they're a company that kind of likes undercutting the competition. But <clears throat> what I'm most excited about, naturally, is the fact that they're coming out with titanium uh, tripods. So it's a combination of carbon fiber and titanium. For anybody that's familiar with titanium, it's what they use in golf clubs because it's incredibly strong and incredibly light. So the once they come out with those, those are going to be the lightest tripods you can buy. And light is nice if you have to pack it very far. So those are also going to be really expensive, which is the downside. But the, the, the tripods they have out available now with the aluminum apexes and the carbon fiber are only two, $2.99. And then their ball heads, which are also really well made, I think they're like 130 or something. So if you're on a budget, you can't beat the Colorado tripod company tripods. Good stuff. For sure. I second this dude out of the week very much. I've been testing out this stuff from Colorado Tripod as well. And price to value, I think they are the best one out there here yeah. in the, you know, December 2019. 2020 can change that, but wow, really seriously good, high quality equipment that doesn't have the ginormous price tag that um, that a lot do. So, yep, very good stuff to check out. Brian, what about you? First, I'm going to second your sand disc. I got mine right in my hands right now. I have a two terabyte one that has all my family photos on it, as well as video that I'm trying to go through and organize that I've been working on for the past year. Nice. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I really like it. Uh, so my doodad is the, uh, I've always wanted a good duffel bag. And, you know, they're usually pretty simple and not a lot to it, but I, I've never found one that really appealed to me. Uh, and recently I got the Peak Design Travel Duffel. That's a 35 liter one. And I uh, just find it extremely useful and well, well made and sturdy and just a big fan of it. And it allows me to, I also like to kind of like keep stuff in my bags. So it's not just like out and the bag itself is a good looking bag. So, you know, seeing that instead of seeing a whole bunch of gear laying around just looks a little bit nicer. Nice. You, I think you... You gather bags like <laughs> yeah. Nick gathers tripods. See, all you'd have to I do is do trade in a few of those camera bags and you could have a new camera body. <laughs> you, you know, I I recently did that. <laughs> I, just, I just haven't bought the new camera body yet. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> we, we all have our sicknesses. We have our weaknesses, Brian. You can judge me all you want for owning all these camera bodies. I actually only have two, but you can judge me all you want. But just know that I'm judging you for your, your camera bags. I, I judge you for different things. Oh. <laughs> for my good looks. There you go. <laughs> I thought it was rugged good looks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. What well, an thanks. awkward way to end the episode. It, that's the way we do it here. <laughs> That's how we roll. That's how we roll. All right. Thanks so much, everyone, for for joining us with this episode. Um, go check out the show notes if you want links to those um, those uh, doodads and check out the predictions. Like you said, let us know where we're wrong because we probably are, and, and that'll be fun to see how it unfolds in 2020. And hope you'll stick with us in 2020 and listening. You can find everything related to the show over at masterphotographypodcast.com. The show notes will be right there. 
and you can go check that out. You can join our Facebook group. That's Master Photography Podcast. You do have to ask to join that group. We want to keep the bots and the spammers out of there. And so you have to name a host. So Nick will work or you could use Lord Page. That's my favorite one <laughs> when you join. <laughs> we, we do get a lot of those, Nick. It's really fun because, uh, you know, funny. everyone knows Nick Page. So that's that's good. Uh, or Brian. Brian would be a great name of a host that you can put in there or Jeff. And, and we'll let you in the group as long as you do that. We still turn away. I think it's at least half and half. Uh, where someone doesn't answer that question. And then that just means we know you're not a listener. So we won't let you in. And then uh, you, there's going to be links in the show notes for like the Instagram and Twitter for the show. And my Instagram and Twitter, you can find my work, my other podcast over at phototacopodcast.com. Answer lots of technical kinds of questions. If you have a technical question about photography, it's a good chance I have an answer for it over there. I've been doing that for a number of years now. We've got lots and lots of episodes that talk about technical things. Um, Nick, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me. My website is nickpagephotography.com. You can find me on YouTube. Just do a search for Nick Page. I also have my podcast, Landscape Photography Podcast. Um, and on Instagram, Nick Page. Pretty much, if you just Google Nick Page, you'll find me. <laughs> or Lord Page. No. Or okay. Lord Page. Well, probably not Lord Page. <laughs> Nick Page. All right, Brian, where can people find you? Oh. <laughs> that was the golf ball rolling off yeah, the sorry. desk, sorry. by the way. <laughs> Uh, my website's just brianmcguckin.com. Uh, see, Nick, you don't have to like spell out like Nick Page. That's easy. So Brian McGuckin, M-C-G-U-C-K-I-N. Uh, my Instagram's also just at Brian McGuckin. Those are the main places. Excellent. We'd love to have you check those things out. Thanks so much, listeners, for listening with us through 2019. We're really glad to have you. And uh, we hope that we'll see you again in 2020. And we'll see you again in another seven days. 